All right, welcome back. It's the uh, final hour of the program. We're jam-packed still to come. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. Doc Fuller stops by Hawkeye Swarm right before we get out of here at 2. To kick off the hours, we've said, uh, well, all throughout the first hour, ESPN.com's Mitch Sherman covers college football, and we welcome him to the show. Mitch, Trent, and Ken, how are you? Hey, Trent and Ken. I'm well. How are you? Doing fine. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, uh, let's start over in Nebraska. I don't know if that was your assignment this last week. Uh, Colorado pays a visit. Love the love that those two schools bought, got back together. Boy, Colorado's got some players, and Nebraska has a quarterback. And you know what? Let's start there with Adrian Martinez. I know they're saying all the right things that uh, he's going to play against Troy. That they dodged a bullet, which sure looks like. And I, you know, fingers crossed that they did. Um, what do you, what what's your take on the whole Adrian Martinez? Is uh, is is there a chance he doesn't play against Troy? Are they maybe telling us a little bit of a fib regarding how serious this may be? Well, I think there's definitely a chance that he doesn't play against Troy. Um, initially, it looked like an injury that was going to be much more serious when uh, and I was at the game Saturday against Colorado, the Nebraska game. Uh, when he was down on the turf in the in the final five minutes of the game, uh, stood up initially and then was back down on the ground, had to be helped off. Very little, very little weight on his right leg. Uh, had had ice on the leg um, as he exited the field a few minutes later. After Colorado came back with a late touchdown to win the game, and Nebraska's backup Andrew Bunch could not uh, produce a touchdown in the final seconds. Uh, Martinez, the freshman, he, it was. Dazzling in his debut uh, at Nebraska, um, had a had a touchdown run in the first quarter that was longer than any run by a Nebraska player all of last season, which says probably more about Nebraska last season than it does about <laughs> Martinez. But um, yesterday, the report from Scott Frost was that he he uh, avoided ligament damage. Um, I don't think Scott Frost would be fibbing on that. That wouldn't be good for right. Martinez or his family or anybody. I think that. It is just kind of a twisted knee that the MRI looks clean this weekend. So that's that's tremendous news for Nebraska because even if it's an MCL, which is the lesser of the two most common knee injuries, you're probably looking at at least four weeks, which would uh, you know really limit his uh, his ability to develop as a true freshman and put Nebraska in a terrible spot with just a couple of walk-ons available at quarterback. So um, I would say you want to get him out there if you can sure against Troy on Saturday because he's a true freshman he has one game under his belt and they play at Michigan next week but uh if he's 80 percent or 70 percent I don't think I don't think it'll happen I think they'll hold him out and they'll hope that uh that Andrew Bunch and uh their considerable weapons elsewhere on offense can uh can get the job done against Troy Mitch Rome wasn't built in a day we know this but one of the biggest aspects for Nebraska is it just doesn't look like Nebraska anymore It, it hadn't the physicality was gone, not just defensively. The black shirts, those have been retired. But you couple that with the offensive line, just never had the physicality that you're with the, with Nebraska. I know it's a rebuild here, but what did you see in Game One, getting that toughness back in the program? Definitely looked like a different product on the field, both on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, seven sacks by the defensive front was impressive, no matter the opponent, and it was a Power Five opponent, a team that's two and zero. Colorado, a team that was uh, was a contender for the Pac-12 two years ago. Um, I'm not under any illusion that Colorado is going to go run the table and, and uh, be in the playoff discussion or in a in a New Year's Six discussion. Right. I think the Pac-12 is I think the Pac-12 has proven itself um, as a relatively soft conference, maybe outside of Washington and Stanford over the last uh, couple of years. So Nebraska is going to see much more physical teams in the Big Ten than it did last Saturday, but 
you play the, the team that's in front of you, and I think Colorado was an upgrade over what the Huskers would have seen against Akron a week earlier and didn't see because of the, the weather in Lincoln. Uh, they ran for 329 yards, had a couple guys over, over 100, including the quarterback, um, and uh, you know made a lot of mistakes, but the physicality was, was, uh, was as good as Nebraska ran for, for more yards in the first half on Saturday than it did in any game a year ago. So, you know, it's a different-looking team. I think the offensive line is much stronger. The defensive line is much stronger. The work that they've put in in the offseason, which has been a huge storyline uh, for this team through August and the early part of September, looks to be uh, a real a real thing. But it's not going to look that way against Michigan or Iowa or Wisconsin or Ohio State. Uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna have to to uh, make a lot of strides, I would say, this year in that department. And then maybe next year they come out and and uh, are more like the team that Nebraska wants to put forward years into the future. Hmm. Mitch Sherman from ESPN.com is our guest. Mitch, Nebraska needs a game. Iowa State needs a game. It, it, it seems simple, right? I mean, we it trickled out yesterday. That didn't trickle out. Jamie Pollard put it out there that uh, they actually reached out to Drake, a non-scholarship program, to see if they hmm. could schedule them <laughs> for crying out loud. Uh, I love transparency. That one he should have kept to himself. <laughs> um, but look, it, 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 it seems... It seems like, you know, go to Arrowhead. Go to U.S. Bank Stadium. I know both schools, Moose and Pollard, want a, want a home game, but they pack the building, make it a Nebraska home game. That for it allows the Big Ten Network, which, oh, by the way, doesn't have any football that Friday or that Saturday. They get to televise the game. The fan bases both would lap it up, whether, you know, they're leaving Central Iowa to go to Kansas City. They love the Power and Light District during the tournament. Uh, fans from Nebraska would would make uh, make it over in Mass or go north same way. It's an easy drive up I thirty five from Central Iowa. It's not difficult to get there from Nebraska. It just makes so much sense. Why isn't this even on the table? Well, I think all options are on the table. I, I, I think that that's probably about the least likely of the things that are going to happen, just because of the logistics that it would take to to prepare a neutral site game. These are things that are usually put together over over uh, a couple of years, as opposed to. To do it in to do it in two months, and Nebraska ideally wants to bring Akron back to Lincoln on December first. Mm-hmm. That's the plan that's in place, and the 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 fly in the ointment there is that Akron, I think, much more likely than Nebraska, could be playing in a conference championship game on that weekend. The the, the Zips were in the MAC title game a year ago, and of course, if they're in that game this year, then they can't come to Lincoln the next day on December first. Mm-hmm. Obviously not. Uh, they, that game is November thirtieth. So. That, you know, that, that complicates matters for Nebraska because it needs to play a 12th game, especially after losing to Colorado in the, in the opener on Saturday. They want to be bowl eligible. They want to practice through December. And so, so they want to play a game. And it could be December 1st against a team like Iowa State, against Akron, um, more likely. Or it could be on October 27th when the Cornhuskers have an open date scheduled. And, as the weather gets worse on the East Coast right now, there are some other possibilities that are opening up with teams that may have games canceled this weekend. I know East Carolina, which is scheduled to go to Virginia Tech on Saturday, may be looking for a game, and, and that the Pirates have an open date on October 27th that matches up with Nebraska. That's a possibility. Um, maybe more realistic is the possibility that Nebraska will bring in an FCS team on the 27th, uh, much like or somewhat similar to like what you described with Iowa State, though I think they'll opt for a, for a team that uh, hands out scholarships, if, uh, if at all possible. But I love nice. the idea. Yeah. yeah, I love the idea 
of the Cyclones and the Huskers getting together, I think it's going to be something more likely that happens down the road in future years uh, instead of this year at Arrowhead or in Minneapolis. Speaking of Minneapolis, uh, the Gophers lose another oh, running back. that's a blow. Rodney Smith, who has been mm-hmm. outstanding, he's out. Shaden Brooks, they lost over the summer. Uh, there is uh, many concerns with a true freshman quarterback back there. A nice start, a nice win against Fresno over the weekend. P.J. Fleck has uh, been calling this year number one. Now, does this revert back to year zero for a second time <laughs> with the loss of a second running back for the Flexster? Uh, last year goes to year <laughs> negative one. This is year zero. Yeah, it's tough. That's a tough loss. I mean, a couple of big Rodneys go out uh, over the weekend with Rodney Anderson yeah. in Oklahoma, just a huge yeah. part of that team. And we'll see the Sooners. I'll see the Sooners in Ames on Saturday morning. Nice. Yeah, I, I, um, I think Minnesota was probably going to have to get it done with its defense, as we saw at the end of that game against Fresno with the big pick in the end zone by Antoine Winfield Jr., that's going to be the story for Minnesota this year because of the true freshman quarterback, uh, because of uh, now, because of the, the injury problems at the running back spot. I don't think Minnesota is going to put up 30, 40 points a game when it gets into the Big Ten. They're going to win uh, the games that they win, I think, based on, on defense and execution and limiting the errors. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, that threat, taking him, taking Smith out of the backfield, it really puts a lot of pressure on the kid. Uh, Anikstad, who I know is a walk-on, but is a walk-on really only in name. Right, yes. um, he had scholarship offers and is clearly a good player. So um, I don't want to make too much of the storyline that 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 he's you know Rudy out there, but <laughs> he's he also is a is a true freshman, and uh, you know like like Martinez at Nebraska, you know like you see at USC with JT Daniels, there are going to be, there's going to be a learning curve, and there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days for Minnesota in that offense. The constant that they have. Uh, even with this injury, is the defense they can put out there, and it's looked pretty good through two weeks. Hmm. Back to the Big 12. My last thing, I'll let Trent finish up with you. And, and you'll see Oklahoma. Maybe I should save this till next time I ask you, but it seems like two weeks in, boy, it looks like Oklahoma and then, uh, then everybody else. Oklahoma State has a really big matchup this week against Boise State, who I think is a good football team. TCU was underwhelming. I, I get it. The weather was bad against SMU, and that's the only time I saw them. K-State looks as though this is a down year for Bill Snyder. I don't know what to make of Texas. So, um, you know, what, what, what do you know about the Big 12 other than Oklahoma so far, Mitch? I like West Virginia's offense. Yep. Um, that's for sure. So I think it's going to be a few week, weeks before we learn the full story on the Mountaineers, and, and they may be the team that challenges Oklahoma at the end of this thing, um, maybe they'll play them twice, and yeah. you know we'll 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 see. Uh, I definitely think Oklahoma is going to be there in the in the Big Twelve championship game, uh, with even without Rodney Anderson, they're a prohibitive favorite. You know, Kyler Murray looks like somehow even <laughs> even a better fit in Lincoln <laughs> Riley's offense than than Baker Mayfield, and I don't think that'll be the case by the end of the year. I think. Through the, the things will even out, and you know if if it is still the case, then they're going to have quarterbacks win back to back Heisman trophies, mm. and Kyler Murray's going to maybe have to reevaluate that baseball decision. <laughs> and I'm I'm kidding about that. He's got the money in the bank, so he's going to play for the Oakland A's in their organization, no matter what. After this year, I would I would assume, but uh, it's a it's a weekend for sure for those other contenders that you mentioned to learn to learn a lot about them. You know, we may not be talking so much about West Virginia as the the, the primary contender. Uh, against the Sooners next week if Oklahoma State uh, looks impressive against Boise in Stillwater this weekend. And if TCU can can do the unthinkable at Cowboy Stadium 
and knock off Ohio State. Clearly, that will make TCU right. the um, you know the team to watch outside of the Sooners. But I'm having a hard time uh, envisioning that after seeing what Ohio State has done and how it's looked with Dwayne Haskins Jr. the first two weeks. I think uh, I like the Buckeyes uh, on Saturday in Arlington. Finally, Mitch, Arizona State's in the top 25 after their <laughs> upset win against Michigan State. We laughed about Herm Edwards. We laughed about the coordinators not wanting to hang around and, and be with Herm. Did we get this one wrong, or is it, well, standard Big Ten team going out west? Let's not overreact to the Arizona State win. Yeah, let's not overreact. I mean, he's doing a nice job, um, and it's not like the system that he's brought in is entirely unheard of. I mean, Pete Carroll ran a primar- primarily an NFL system at USC for years and worked pretty well. I, you know, Herm is putting his different spin on it. Um, Arizona State, to me, is a school that in, in every year but, but seasons like 1996 when they jumped up and were a national championship contender, that otherwise they're, they're, they're like a sleeping giant in college football. I mean, if you can't recruit to Tempe, um, <laughs> there, are, there are a few places in, in, in college football that you can recruit to. So I think that they, they, can, they can be great under Herm Edwards. And the, the, the NFL-style system – Sure, it can work. It's just a little bit. Un- it's very unorthodox. The way that he came in and talked about, you know, cutting players in camp, and and the, as you said, the way that the assistant coaches seem to just run away from from that place. Um, you know, I think it 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 led to questions that still exist. Uh, one question that doesn't exist is whether Big Ten teams should consider scheduling games <laughs> at Arizona State. It's been like fifty years since a Big Ten team has gone in there and won, and you know, didn't happen for Michigan State through some problems that it created on its own late Saturday night. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know that we're going to see Arizona State stay around the top 25 all that long. But, you know, Herm Edwards has proven a lot of people wrong so far, so maybe he'll continue to do so throughout the fall. Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com. Mitch, thank you. We'll talk to you down the road. All right, good to talk to you guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com. He's got the Oklahoma-Iowa State assignment for .com this week, Trent Condon. Yeah, easy trip for Mitch. It is. A quick drive over, and uh, he'll be in Ames for that one. Do you believe in revenge in college football? Not really. I don't either. Different teams. There there was an aha moment. Now, I've seen two Iowa road games that have gone two different ways. Mm -hmm. 2005, after Iowa beat Ohio State. Okay. They went into Buckeye Land to Ohio Stadium to the Horseshoe, and Drew Tate is spiking the ball. I think you remember that I game pretty well. Yeah. It didn't go well. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, Ohio State, oh, you know, we had revenge on our mind. Okay. See, I think Baker Mayfield did last year against the Buckeyes. Right. Because he planted the flag. He planted the flag. Revenge, but was that just kids? Revenge only works until kickoff happens. Right. And afterwards, it's a nice... Absolutely. It's, it's like bulletin board material. Yes. It's nice to have, and it makes for a good copy in the yeah. newspaper the next day. And it's great sports talk radio fodder. But once the ball's no, in the it's... air... And the other example is leading into the 2009 Iowa-Penn State game. 2008, Iowa ended their run for a mm-hmm. national championship. Revenge all week. That's all Penn State was talking about. Revenge, revenge, revenge. They score on the first play of the game. That's 80-yard bomb, and oh boy. And Iowa comes back and wins it 21-10. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear Penn State talking about revenge in the post-game no. press conference a whole lot. No, uh, it, but, but they did leading up to it. They did. And that's uh, I agree with you. That's, it, is it a motivational ploy? Sure. Maybe, yep. But it's, it's only good if you win the football game. Right, right. 
I just think Oklahoma, I don't think it's a revenge factor this week with Iowa State. It's, we want to win a national championship. We have a road game. We have to be... And there's very little margin for error with a Big 12 team, Trent. This is a team that plays defense. This is a different style of team than what we're used to. That's the motivation this week. I, I... Revenge, I just think, is so overblown. Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, Timmy Otter's coming up next. He is. A little we'll Vikings. do a little Vikings conversation. Your thoughts on Detroit? Did you see much of it? I did. I, uh, it led me to watch a lot more baseball last night. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> because Well, Beth Mullins is at the same time. The game stunk, and of course her and uh, Brian Greasy weren't good. So it's a three-team division? Yes, Detroit is number four. Number four. No, the Bears are in the in the conversation, Trent. The Bears are going to a. They're going to fly by the the total. I think. Yeah, they're 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 a good football team, especially now with Khalil. Mack. They're win, winning seven games. Absolutely, minimum seven minimum games. seven. I could see them winning nine games, and in the right year, that maybe can get you cross your fingers and hope to for some carnage around you. Boy, that Vikings roster, top to bottom, is so good though. I'm mean, just everywhere you turn. Let's play Harrison Smith. I, I want to talk about this team. Blew up that huge fullback for the 49ers. Yeah, I know. Trent, yeah, unfortunately, Khalil Mack and Von Miller had outstanding uh, week ones, or Harrison Smith's in the conversation yeah. for Defensive Player of the Week. Right, right. He was outstanding in that football game. The hitman. Uh, he brought it on Saturday, or on Sunday, rather, against the Niners. We'll come back. We'll talk to Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com, Hawkeye Swarm, before we get out of here at 2 o'clock. It's an abbreviated Jimmy B and TC today, 4 to 5, because it's Tuesday, meaning the Hawkeye Huddle. Uh, Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton come in from 5 until 6, and they talk Hawkeye sports as they do each and every Tuesday through the end of the basketball season, right here on 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back. Our thanks to Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com. As promised, you Viking fans out there, time to talk about your team, the 1-0 Minnesota Vikings, Packers 1-0, the other two teams in the division, of course, the Bears and the Lions, 0-1 as we look forward to week number two. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com joins us. Let's look back, Tim, before we look forward to the matchup this week, the border battle at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. I guess um, just your thoughts on Kurt Cousins' debut uh, other than the preseason, when it counts, week number one, what did you think of the franchise quarterback? Well, I thought it was a, a solid performance. He was under pressure, which I think we expected a bit, uh, you know, with DeForest Buckner being a tough matchup for an interior offensive line with the Vikings that you know, just really isn't all that strong or together yet. And so that wasn't uh, that wasn't unexpected that Cousins would be flushed from the pocket, and he was early, and I thought he handled it pretty well for the most part. Um, to me, the most impressive um, throws that he made were th- some of those that were right down the seam. He caught Adam Thielen on a couple of those right in between defenders. And, you know, the other thing that stood out was his, his uh, real big trust in his receivers. Um, you know, he threw to Stephon Diggs when he was well covered for the touchdown and then uh, went back to Rudolph on the same sort of a, a throw where he was fairly well covered and just trusted his receivers to, to make the catches. So overall, uh, a good, solid debut. You uh, see the defense doing their thing, mm-hmm. as you anticipate. Harrison Smith, Ken mentioned it a little bit earlier, if it wasn't for what we saw in Sunday Night Football with Khalil Mack and Von Miller, Earlier in the day, he might be NFL Defensive Player of the Week. Interception, sack, fumble recovery, seven tackles. Harrison Smith is a star. Yet, at least from my vantage point, it doesn't seem like he gets 
the national recognition he should. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, I, I think that he is starting to get there with the national recognition. So, um, you know, that, that storyline may have been true, I think, a year ago, but now I think people are starting to see what he is. Um, you know, he had a bunch of really good splash plays uh, on Sunday, as you mentioned. And, and, in fact, I initially thought that that goal line stand, that he was the one that caused the fumble. It turns out, I think on film review, it sure looks like it's Linval Joseph mm-hmm. that, that gets his hand in there. But, um, you know, there there also were a couple of concerning moments for the Vikings in coverage, and Harrison Smith uh, was one of them. Uh, they had a touchdown in the back of the end zone, the 49ers, that to me it looked like it may have been Harrison Smith's responsibility that he was late getting to. So, you know, ultimately, it, you know, he is one of the best safeties in the league. If you um, subscribe to, to Pro Football Focus's grades and agree with those. He's the, he was the top-rated safety in the league last year. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know that he's still underrated or underappreciated um, nationally too much anymore. I think most people view him and Earl Thomas as the top two safeties in the conference for sure, maybe in the league. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. Tim, uh, the first-round pick of the Vikings was, I think, 30th overall. 30, 31, 30. Um, 30, him. Yeah, uh, Mike Hughes was, was the pick out, out of Central Florida. He gets a pick six in his first game. Is 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 Mike Hughes got the confidence of this coaching staff seemingly was uh, in there quite a bit? How about a report card on the rookie's first game? Well, you know, two things there. First of all, I have never seen a rookie defensive back being complimented as much in the off season as Mike Hughes was from Mike Zimmer. Um, you know, he said he may be the guy that has picked up his defense the quickest of any of the rookies that he's had. Wow! And you know, he was kind of put to the test on Sunday because he came into that game fully expecting to be the starting nickel cornerback, um, and as it turned out. Um, once the game got going, Trey Waynes was hurt, and all of a sudden Mike Hughes is being asked to play outside cornerback, which, you know, it, to a lot of people that may not seem like a big deal, but there are some significant differences in what those players are asked to do, how they're asked to defend, um, and the type of receivers that, that they're going to face. So I thought Hughes did a, a, a really good job on most snaps. He had a few coverage breakdowns where I think he – uh, as Mike Zimmer said yesterday, may have blanked out or just wasn't really sure of what his responsibilities were supposed to be. And then, you know, that resulted in some some passes that were like in the 30-yard range against the Vikings. But um, I, I've i said all offseason, I think this guy is going to be a real player for them. You can agree with them taking another cornerback in the first round instead of an offensive lineman um, or disagree with that, but... Um, I don't think there's much disputing that Mike Hughes has some real talent for this league. Well, starting with a lot of good here, let's look at the not-so-good, and that's the offensive line gives up three sacks. Not much running room for Murray and Dalvin Cook, though Cook got really involved in the passing game. Good to see that. Seven seven targets, six catches out of him coming out of the backfield. That offensive line, it's going to be a work in progress. What's your hope, what they become as we continue on throughout the season? Well, I do think that uh, not too far away, whether it's Sunday or in a couple of weeks, we'll see Pat Elfline return. And 
my expectation would be that he returns to the center position. Mm-hmm. And then I think that uh, Brett Jones may be good enough to, to take over at left guard where Tom Compton is. And that, that should help them out. Um, you know, they always talk about offensive line. One of the most important things is continuity and playing together for a while. So I think that they, they've got some work to do to all get comfortable next to each other. And, you know, we've seen in the past that as the season goes on, sometimes those things come up where you have injury after injury and you just are never able to get to that point. But, um, you know, I, I wasn't real impressed with a lot of the, the holes that they were opening up in the running game. I thought, you know, there was a little inconsistency in the, the pass protection, but, you know, it wasn't a horrible performance. And so for a line that, that's still kind of trying to come together, I thought it was decent, but yet a lot of room for improvement. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. Tim, one more, and then I'll get your take on how they're going to beat, if they're going to beat Green Bay, how they're going to do it. Uh, Daniel Hunter got paid in the offseason, still a youngster. He's only 23 years old, for crying out loud. Um, you you could see, when he's on the field, you can just see, the, I think he's still raw, honest to God, I really do. He's still There's still some upside there with him. I know why they paid him, because you watch this guy, and 99 just jumps off your television screen, seemingly every defensive series. Uh, his first game uh, with the new contract looked like money well spent, Tim. Oh, yeah, and I don't think there was any doubt that, that he was going to get paid, um, you know, People could look at that contract and say, you know, wow, the numbers. But that typically happens with a lot of the guys that that are signing new contracts. And I think the Vikings have done a good job of getting out in front of these contracts where they're signing guys before they have a massively blow-up season where all of a sudden their value increases by 50%. And so, um, you know, Daniil Hunter, is he's just built like Hercules. He's just... Uh, uh, an impressive physical specimen, tall, long arms to get in the passing lane when he's not getting there. And I think, uh, you know, a bit underrated in his power game because he will have some pass rushing moves and can definitely get to the quarterback for sacks as he did uh, again on Sunday. But um, there are times where I think that, that he sets up defensive ta- or offensive tackles nicely by, you know, some some finesse type um, pass rushing moves, and then all of a sudden he's he's displaying his power and just pushing the pocket back. So, yeah, I, I would say it was definitely money well spent on him. Mm-hmm. Last thing for you, Tim. Uh, a couple of do you, do you expect uh, uh, Brett? Almost gone Brett for Aaron Rodgers <laughs> to play, and then what's it going to take to to knock off uh, the rival Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field? Yeah, I, I would definitely expect. Uh, Rodgers to play, but I also would expect his mobility to be a bit limited, especially if he takes any hits early on or you know gets pushed back uh, too often by by that offensive line or by the defense uh, Vikings defensive line. The key to me is going to be not having a repeat of what happened to the Vikings secondary in Philadelphia. If they can be solid in their coverages, find the guys that they're supposed to to be covering and be with them. I think the defensive line can get pressure on Rodgers. I would fully expect it's going to be a quick passing game where they try to get guys like Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb you know, right away off the snap, quick three-step drops, and, and hitting those types of plays. So 
Um, to me, it's all about the passing game. If the Vikings can can limit Rodgers to somewhere between 200 and 250 yards, they should be in good shape. Thank you, Tim Yotter. We'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. So we got a peek at the Minnesota Vikings Green Bay Packers. You expecting Rodgers to play? I think he will. If we haven't heard anything to this yeah. point, you wouldn't figure it's debilitating enough for mm-hmm. them to shut him down for When's a while. When's the first injury report come out? Is it tomorrow? Wednesday. When they come yeah, back, yeah. yeah, I think it is because Tuesday's normally a day off for the mm-hmm. players, um, and I'm sure he'll be listed as questionable. And what a week two we have! Have you taken a peek? No, at the schedule? but shall we? Oh, let's let's do it. Well, hang on a second. Let me get it in front of me. All right, uh, I have week two in I got front of me. Trent. Six, seven games I got circled that I'm excited about, including one might be off the board for you. But uh, is I, it Thursday? Well, Thursday's good. I think I do too. I, I absolutely do. Baltimore making their way to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Was it just Buffalo was awful or Baltimore putting the answer it all is together? yes. <laughs> they are They're pretty bad. That, that's a big, big piece of it. And Cincinnati got the win in Indianapolis. We both were on the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So I think a nice start. Division rivalry to get it going yep. in Thursday night. Then you go to Sunday. Okay, so let me try. So how many games Sunday are, are past the Condon sniff test? Uh, four... Five. I got six. All right, let me see if I can find at least five of them. So okay. Carolina Atlanta's on the list. Absolutely. Good division uh, game. Absolutely big division game. Uh, Vikings Green Bay are of on the course. list. That's two. Yes. Chiefs Steelers. No doubt. Three. Uh, oh, here's one. Maybe the five star of the week. Maybe. Patriots, Pats. Absolutely. I mean, Patriots, Pat, Patriots, Jags. Jags in Jacksonville. Uh-huh. Circle that one. So that's four, and you. So I, I'm missing one, or am I missing two? Well, the Sunday night game, old rivalry, Giants, Dallas. Mm. Hey, come on, uh. yeah, Saquon Barkley. Dallas is awful. I think they might be. They might be. Hey, look, it's my favorite division in all of football. That's I've always Sunday been an NFC East fan, and it's yeah, yeah, it's rivals, it's names. You know, yeah. Did you like Carrie Underwood's new song? Didn't even listen to it. I did, and I don't. Game on? I don't remember what it was. Eh, one more week. It's, it's it's new, so it's you're not used to it, right? Right. You right. got It's got to. You got to absorb it a little bit. But you're missing a game. I'm missing a game. And this thing is juicy. Really? Houston, Houston Tennessee? Teams. No, no. Two undefeated. Two. Undefe- oh, it's not the fish and the jets. No, 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 not that at all. Okay. Eagles Tampa? You got it. Really? Fitz the Bucks after putting 48 up at home. Here comes the defending champ. I think that's fun. Okay. Some it's certainly six on the list of six there. But yeah, it's six on the list of six. I'll give you that. But what I are the Eagles favored by? Only a field goal. Really? Only a field goal. Hmm. Offense hmm. struggled. Mm-hmm. We're not going to see Carson Wentz. Right. If you're Tampa, and you start certainly three and zero, even two and one. Oh, Trent, you're giddy. You're and, right in the race. Well, and Jameis doesn't get I his know. job back, does he? Oh, I think he does. Not if they're three and zero. You can't do that. He was the first overall pick, right? And so is Alex Smith, right? Uh... Who's? I, I got to check here now and see who Tampa has after Philly this week. Ah, Pittsburgh after. You're 3-0 with wins in New Orleans against the Eagles and against the Steelers, and all of a sudden, all right, Jameis, the job is yours. As they get set to head to Soldier. You can't do that. 
You can't? You really we, think we so? We got a quarterback controversy in Tampa. That we won't pay attention to. Pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think. What's the best? What's the best battle of zero and one teams that their fan base? Well, any fan base that's zero and two is going to just be apoplectic. Mm-hmm. Is there one game that? I mean, the Chargers have to they win. Have to win against yes. the yep. Bills, right? That, and, that was and, when and you were saying will. that. The first thing that jumped out: New Orleans has to win against Cleveland. You can't in Ooh. that division start zero and two. Yeah, good one. And where's that game? It's in New Orleans, it, and it would be two home losses. Yeah, excellent point. You, you can't do that. Right. You can't do that if you're in New What's Orleans. the number on that one? Saints by eight and a half. I was going to say seven and a half, so I'm in the hunt. Uh, boy, what else is there? Tennessee can't start 0-2, can nope, they? Nope, they can't. With Neither Houston can Houston. Town? Neither can Houston. Right, right. Putting yourself well behind. You are. It's a big battle. And uh, you, you're bet of the year. Oh, you've already found it. Oh, my bet of the year was Arizona yeah. over. Yeah, they get. The did Rams. you watch much of that? I did. They're bad. They're bad. They're really bad. Or is Washington better than we well, thought? They have Alex Smith. Of course, they're going to be good, Smith. right? I mean, why, why didn't we see that? But you know what? They think about who they got rid of, mm-hmm. and 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 in a lot of people's eyes, are better with Alex Smith. Right. I don't know. I don't know if they're better or not. We'll see as the season goes on. You got Oakland coming to town. You got to feel good about that with your Broncos. Well, Carr can't play any worse than he did last night. That throw to the left side. Trent, what was he thinking? It's almost I, like the game. Is, is, as many people pointed out, he was shaving points. That was the tweet that, I mean, I saw that a bunch of times after that. Now, you're not a video game player. But no. It, I, I really got a kick out of. So if you hold the button to pass to a guy on your controller... It throws it hard. If you just tap it, okay. it lobs it in the air. Yeah, looked like he absolutely tapped it instead of <laughs> holding down the button. I, I love that one, too. You're feeling good? 2-0 two, two start? I'd love to see it. Love to see it. I still think um, I'm going I've, – I've changed. I, I, I was all chargers, but it's Kansas yeah. City. We'll see. They got Their defense got to be – don't they? Bob Sutton defense boy Nick Gatham, not a fan of Bob Sutton. Never was. <laughs> the, Never, yeah, he ever is was. not alone in Chiefs Kingdom no, about that. I don't think that. he is. Excellent point. Uh, we'll come back. We still got one segment to go. During that segment, we're going to hear from Doc Fuller. Hawkeye Swarm will take us right up until 2 o'clock. Get a little bit of preview for you and I. You know, just real quick before we get Doc Fuller, um, what, do you, what do you want to see against the Panthers? I mean, they don't have a quarterback, you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, Eli Dunn was terrible. Terrible. Montana. Terrible. What's the other kid's name? Hogan? Colton Hogan? Yeah, is that what um, it is? A senior that hadn't played before and played well. Uh, against Montana, who's really good. Um, it's ratcheted up the offense. I mean, yeah. it's just more You want to see Nate Stanley take some steps in yeah. the right direction, right? This is one you want to see him 18-24, to 24, uh-huh. 250 yards, uh-huh. three touchdowns, make some plays, Brandon Smith or Amir Smith-Marset with a touchdown grab. Something big. That's what you want to see. Yeah, I think if I'm a Hawkeye fan, I'd rather see Brandon Smith with a couple of touchdown passes, with another big game to build off the Iowa State yeah. play. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Doc Fuller's going to opine. We'll recap Cyhawk one more time with Doc Fuller. Look ahead to you and I, and then it is on a week from Saturday, 7.30. Fox has it. Boy, it's going to be a long day in Iowa City. Yes, Ooh, it is. Pace yourselves. <laughs> we'll come back uh, with our final segment here. Trent and I are here until 2 as we are every Monday through Friday on the Ken Miller Show, 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back. Again, our thanks to uh, Tim Yotter, VikingUpdate.com. We take you to the top of the hour, and what a better way to do so. It's time for the Hawkeye Swarm. He's Dr. Stephen Fuller. 
as uh, we recap Cy Hawk, get Doc's take on that, and then what does he want to see out of these Hawkeyes as they seemingly take on an overwhelmed and undermatched? Have you heard that before, Trent? Yes. Uh, you and I, Panther football team. Uh, Doc, Trent, and Ken, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing fine. So, uh, Doc, we talked. You and I spoke uh, text on the phone and via text message. We both thought that you know Iowa would wear uh, Iowa State down because of the you know the Iowa State didn't play at Central Week One. Uh, I I thought I saw that. I thought clearly in the fourth quarter that the physicality of Iowa seemed to start taking its toll. Not like it did against Northern Illinois, but what did you see, Doc? What were your overall takeaways from uh, the fourth straight win against Iowa State? Couldn't happen to a better team. Um, but uh, uh, I noticed even going in to, towards the end of the second uh, quarter that we were starting to wear those uh, the offensive and defensive lines for the Cyclones down. Uh, halftime didn't happen quick enough for them. I mean, uh, you could just see, you know, we were getting better and better leverage against them, and, and we were able to open things up. Um by the third, end of the third and end of the fourth, they were gassed. So it was just a matter of um, how soon the defense was going to start striking, and and uh, they did. I mean, uh, that defensive line and defensive backs did their job in order to get the line more time to get to the quarterback. I'm just glad, uh, you know, somebody wasn't seriously hurt with some of those hits those guys were taking. Mm, it was physical. Yeah, Matt Nelson just rocked. Yes. Kyle camped. You know, Doc. Yeah, he he got up and shook his head. I mean, he was still shaking uh, going to the sidelines. And, and, you know, they're coming right towards me because I'm behind the visitor's bench uh, at uh, home games. Doc, uh, give us a perspective. In order to beat Wisconsin, in order to go on the road and beat Penn State, they are going to need more out of the offense and specifically out of the quarterback, Nate Stanley. What, what you saw from him, Accuracy still a bit of a problem. He has struggled with some of the throws. What do you see out of Stanley, and, and what gives you hope going forward? Well, the offensive line has given him time. Mm-hmm. It, it, for whatever reason, I, I just don't think he feels comfortable uh, with the line. Um, he seems to you know, take a little bit too much time uh, in getting that ball off at, at, on certain plays. And, you know, he's thrown behind the receivers. I, it's, it's kind of baffles me. I'm, and I believe it was in the third quarter that, uh, he threw it deep and, um, he could have dumped it off and A, we would have got a first easy first down and, uh, and more, uh, because that was happening right along the, uh, east, uh, sidelines there. Or he could have ran for the first down. And if I remember right, I think we ended up uh, punting the ball away and pinning the Cyclones deep. I think, you know, I think they just got to get on the same page uh, receiving-wise. They just, they aren't, they aren't clicking. Mm -hmm. And without without the passing until, you know, the fourth quarter, uh, we were, we were, we were, Bogged in mud. I mean, you know, <laughs> it just, it, we were too slow to, for us to beat Wisconsin, we got to be hitting on all four cylinders. And that is, uh, offensive line and, and, uh, running backs and, uh, the passing game. I mean, there's glimpses there, 
but uh, right now, uh, I don't think Nate's making uh, good choices and good throws. Uh, Doc, we got about a minute left. Uh, tune up against you and I before that colossal tilt uh, against the Badgers uh, uh, at 7.30 on Fox. Uh, what do you want to see against Northern Iowa? I think it's a 6.30 game, isn't it? A 6.30 against you and I, but Wisconsin 7.30, yep. Yep, correct. Um, I I want to see the offense clicking. I mean, let's face it, our defense is clicking. I don't want to see a letdown uh, against uh, you and I because it can happen. I mean, uh, stranger things have happened, and, and uh, you ask uh, Penn State, they got a scare out of Appalachian State earlier this Big year. Time. So you – you got to hit. You got to play the game, and you got to play, you know, a full sixty minutes. Uh, and hopefully, nobody gets dinged up, and and we can get our running game back to where it was. And, and uh, you know, we're making some crisp passes where the receivers don't have to, you know, do acrobatics uh, to catch the ball behind them. Great stuff, Doc Fuller. We will uh, talk to you next week. Enjoy the game, and uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Doc. All right. Have a good day. Yep. You do the same, Doc Fuller. Uh, Hawkeye Swarm. Website's still not up yet, but apparently um, getting closer. We shall see. All right, Trent Connor, it's all about baseball tonight for mm-hmm. me. There's a couple of games. I mean, I'm going to clearly spend most of my time watching the Brewers and the Cubs. It's a matchup uh, that we saw, I think it was last Wednesday, Quintana Chassin. Was it Wednesday or Thursday? I don't mm. remember. Anyways, though, that was the pitching matchup. Uh, both of their uh, most recent starts, but there's a game in the uh, in the NL West that is, I mean, it's Arizona and Colorado. It's a yeah. big, big spot this week. No doubt, two teams fighting yes. not just for the division. Colorado trying to hold Colorado. on to the lead in that division. Wild card. You got the Cardinals continue to try to win yeah. against Pittsburgh. Be- and your point, there's really there might not be a safety net in the NL West. No, it's not looking that way. Uh, outside of that, we get baseball right when you get home here. Leaving in a couple minutes. Phillies, we Nats. We do. 205. Wow. Fetty against Pavetta. Okay. <laughs> Something to watch, right? Something to watch. S- something to have on in the background. I didn't realize there was a day game tonight. Why is that this? Right now, it's a it? doubleheader. Oh, it's a yeah. double dip. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. I believe a true doubleheader, by the way. Nice. So only one, one ticket. and then 5.30. Very nice for those fans in Philadelphia yes. that are hoping to see that. You know, there's been some talk. We'll know more about it tomorrow with Cappy. Um, that the that the Cubs may not be able to play on Thursday against Washington with the storm. And who knows? Move the game. To a neutral site. They have to play it. Right. They have to play it. Um, and In fact, what did I see this weekend? The Marlins and the Pirates, maybe, are going to play on the Monday after the regular season ends. Why? What? Honestly, the game is rescheduled for the Monday after the regular season ends. I can bet on it. Well, that, that's the reason why. <laughs> now, might there be an asterisk if Pittsburgh is in... That makes why sense. Why would you reschedule the Marlins and the Pirates? Get it over with, man. If necessary, one yeah. of those kind of things. I hope that's the case, yeah. but I didn't see that in the tweet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was. We are back tomorrow uh, at noon. Trent gets you home 4 until 6. Hawkeye Swarm takes the final hour 5 until 6. Appreciate you being here. Talk to you tomorrow at noon on the Ken Miller Show, 1700 KBGG.